calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Here's a quick question for you. How did you sleep last night? If your battle for a good night's sleep feels relentless, I have the answer. It's a podcast called Sleep Wave with meditations and hypnosis created to help you fall asleep. My relaxation techniques will help you feel calm and ready for sleep with soft music that will help you fall asleep in minutes. Most listeners never hear the end of an episode. So search Sleep Wave on your favorite podcast app and find out why over a million people have fallen asleep to my voice. Hey there, listeners. Keegan here. This is a very special live episode of Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. It's our second live episode ever that we've done in collaboration with the Swallows Flight book and tea shop. We want to give a huge shout out to Arielle, who is the owner of the Swallows Flight, Definitely check her out on Instagram or via their website. We will link both of those in our show notes. You can also find them on our Instagram page. We also wanted to give a huge shout out to Gitana and Amelie of Two Girl Book Party, whose voices you will soon be hearing, for breaking down this book with us and working through this with us. It was such a joy and such a pleasure to get to work with such awesome, incredible, wonderful, talented, driven women to bring this episode to you. Because this is a live episode, the sound quality isn't quite up to our usual standards, but we hope you can forgive us for that and enjoy this episode anyway. We are discussing the book Dead Girls, very intriguing title which we do have some feelings about. So take a listen and let us know what you think. If you're interested in learning more about Dead Girls or getting the book yourself, we will also have that linked in our show notes. All right, enjoy your Angry Neighborhood Feminist live. Okay, hello, everybody. Hi, friends. Hi, friends. Hello. So we should introduce ourselves. Um, I'm Keegan. I'm Madigan. And we are... Are we doing an intro like we do on our show? Because I feel like that's really Well, awkward. not anymore. Um, we are <laughs> here Angry Neighborhood Feminists. We are a feminist podcast where we just talk about feminist issues through our own perspectives. And we are here today with Two Girl Book Party. Well, yes. Thanks for having us on. Having yes, us. of course. We're really excited. Um, and we are going to be talking about a book called Dead, Dead Girls. Girls. Yes, which is... I have the breakdown of what this book is about. Oh, good. Right here. Thanks for being so prepared, Keegan. You're very welcome. You are very welcome. If I was by myself, this would just be awful. So, (laughs) 
This book was named uh, the most anticipated book of 2018 by Bitch Magazine, which made me very intrigued to read it. Bitch Magazine is a feminist yeah. publication. Um, and, okay, here's the breakdown here. Wait, what did they name it? The most, most anticipated, anticipated book. Oh, I, I was anticipating something great as well. I was very anticipated. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get more into that in a minute. So it says, in this poignant collection, Alice Bolin examines iconic American works from the essays of Joan Didion, lots of that, and James Baldwin to Twin Peaks, Britney Spears, and Serial, illuminating the widespread obsession with women who are abused, killed, and disenfranchised, and whose bodies, dead and alive, are used as props to bolster men's stories, smart and accessible, thoughtful and heartfelt. Bolin investigates the implications of our cultural fixations and our own role as a consumer and creator. So, based on that, (laughs) I was really stoked I was very excited. I was too. Read yeah, this I book. Was thrilled. And <laughs> I really love it. I, I, yeah, there's like the butt is just like sitting above us right now that we're just like waiting to drop. Yeah. But I was a little, I was a little disappointed in all. I, I wanted more, more dead girls. Yeah. Yeah. It I think was, that was the common consensus when you yes. read the Goodreads, the Goodreads um, reviews. reviews and critiques of this yeah. book. It is that. When you go into it, you're expecting it to be about this. And the first four chapters are about this. It's about, um, you know, men and women and their relation to each other, the relation to why we have this kind of, like, obsession Mm -hmm. with with dead girls on TV. And what does that say about, like, us as a society and our relationship every day as men and women? There's a section in the book that I actually really liked and thought was very interesting about how the detectives in these stories are really similar to the murderers in these stories yeah. and how they have this kind of relation to them and they they um, understand them and there's even a lot of like detective novels that say that like women can't possibly relate to a killer like female detectives can't relate yeah. to a killer but men can and so what does that say about men yeah Exactly. If they're able to relate to the killers, and women are only able to relate to victims in right. these books and TV shows. Right. Well, it's interesting, like, the comparisons between, like, the fantasy that the uh, investigator has and the similarity of the fantasy in which the killer has, where they talk a lot about how it's, like, very sexually driven. And I think it's something that I think that a lot of people don't believe that female killers could relate to, because typically they don't kill for that reason, typically. I'm right. sure there are exceptions. <laughs> For sure. For sure. I can't name any right now <laughs> off the top of my head. Um, I found it really interesting. I liked the chapter two where it was talking mostly about the Dead Girl Show. And it was it said that there's two themes of the Dead Girl Show. The first one is that the girls are wild, vulnerable creatures who need to be protected from their own sexualities. Um, trying to save like strippers and sex workers and that kind of thing where it's like their sexuality comes upon them and then these men feel they have to like save them from their own uh, horrible, awful urges of sexuality. Like the killers do? The, no, or just like, just like, the investigators oh. of the killers are just, I think, I mean, I guess they would probably just be talking about any of the men in these shows and things in general. Like, they talk about the, like, the other one is trust no dad. That was the other theme that it says in there. Yeah, um, yeah the husband did it. The husband, husband always did it, did it. Or the dad. Trust no dad. Well, and then they say, with Trust No Doubt, it says they hold a sinister interest in controlling girls' bodies. So I found that kind of interesting where, like, if you go through kind of some of the most popular uh, crime shows, 
the policing that's done within the families, especially of young girls and their bodies and things like that. And when you see a young girl who is dead, how her body is treated, which that made me think of JonBenet Ramsey. And I was having a really interesting conversation with my mom last night about how none of the photos that we ever see of JonBenet are of her just being a kid. Yeah. Like a five-year-old and not like it's a... a yeah. very it's hyper-sexualized, like, right. weird thing to see this little girl who we know is dead and it's dies. It's always her pageant photo. Yeah, yeah. it's always yeah. her pageant photo. And for the first time, I saw her, um, her autopsy photos, and that was upsetting. Oh my god. I was, why I was, did you seek that out? I didn't seek it out. I was like, Google. It just came up in your yes. Google search? I looked up JonBenet Ramsey and I was going through Google images because I was showing my friend, like, look, this is like you've seen this photo, you've seen that photo, but like what about this photo? Oh, you've never like, seen this photo. But and then that showed up and I was like, oh dear God, and it was it was horrible. But, but it's again, weird, that almost fulfills a different type of exactly. grotesque desire. Yeah. yeah. Instantly you said that, I'm like, where can I find that? No, well, yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And we just did uh, an episode of our podcast. The last episode that we put out actually was about women and true crime and why women in particular seem to be so interested in true crime as like it's kind of something that a lot of men find off-putting yeah. that women are so fascinated like yeah, we hear that and we're like really? I tell them everything that I yeah. hear on all these true crime podcasts for some and reason they think fascinated. that it's gonna like happen to them because we're interested in it uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, they're the like you know kill. too much which is kind yeah. of funny because it a re big reason we found why women are interested in it is because it's statistically more likely to happen to us, as far as like yeah. from an intimate partner, well, yeah. not crime in general, not violent crime in general, but from an intimate. What's partner. interesting about this? I was talking with my mom the other day about this true crime podcast I listen to called Sword and Scale. Oh and yeah, I, yeah. I love that one. We're so familiar. Much. Oh my no, god! And I always just try to rank and like, okay, absolute worst, second worst. Okay, but like, I was like, I think I'm so interested in this because every time I hear a really awful one, it's like an immunity shot. Yeah, 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 and yeah. And so, someone can tell me a really grotesque thing that happened to them, and I'm like, oh, I've heard worse. So yeah. I don't have to, like, have a reaction Yeah, it's anymore. a way to, to distance like yourself from that me. and also prepare yeah. yourself. Well, and also the, the trope of that the husband did it. Like, we roll our eyes at that when we watch it on Dateline or on the mm -hmm. ID channel. Because, because it's, it's like, the same course. story every time, yeah. which is something well, she touches on in the book. It is, and it's, it's interesting to me where she's talking about the different patterns of behavior that happen before a domestic dispute turns into like a murderous rage. She was talking about some guy who ended up like, what was it? Shooting up like a, like a community center or something. What was yeah, it? I like climbed to the top of the bell tower. Yeah. 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 And, and he, and, and he was abusive to his wife and, um, how it's easy that people who get involved and want to intervene would rather disrupt the behavior of the abusers rather than disrupt the lives of the victims. Like they don't want to make a big deal out of it, but like taking the victims out of it, they were saying, well, that's that a new tactic. That's <laughs> there's someone on the ceiling. They're ballroom dancing upstairs. But they're talking about like chronic unemployment can lead to violence, any sort of major change, pregnancy, new job, uh, if the victim attempts to leave. And I'm like, damn, that's everything in life. Like, <laughs> Right. Well, because it stems <laughs> no from, like... No life changes. It's, it's a John List situation, right? Where it, like, stems from, like, a deep insecurity on the part of... Right. ...of the abuser. Like, he's like, I can't tell her that I 
lost my job, so I'll just murder the whole family. Right. That's a solution. Some women, we, like, cry over it. We bitch about I it. I know, yeah, yeah. And we cope. <laughs> we, we might get really annoying about it. we say, okay, well, that's life. Let's move on. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then they said that 11,700 women between the years of 2001 and 2012 were victims of domestic violence murders. So it's like the husband did it. It's not a mystery. Yeah. Like, this isn't something that, like, people are shocked by. Yeah. anymore yet we still should be and it should be something well that we it's something that we're about. not we're not dealing with right like because it i also took from it like 56 percent of mass shootings from 2009 to 2015 a spouse former spouse or other family member were among the victims domestic violence is one of the strongest indicators of future mass violence and their dynamics of control are so similar that some experts call it intimate terrorism. Yeah. So it's something that we shouldn't be kind of dismissing. I think we're, we get to be a little dismissive about uh, domestic violence as thinking it's like a home issue or like a family issue. I know there was a big thing that happened in Russia early, earlier this year at the end of last year um, that decriminalized domestic violence because they see it as a family issue, yeah. not as as a bigger societal issue, but it leads to bigger societal problems. Yeah. So another thing that I I thought was interesting, a passage that I took from the book, was when talking about the connection between the murderer and the detective, and you and I had an episode about the Manic Pixie Dream Girl trope, and how the Manic Pixie Dream Girl trope is kind of used, it's, she's basically just a tool to further the yeah. male protagonist oh, yeah. or get him to learn something or understand right. something. But edgy person. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, I got this passage from the book. There can be no redemption for the dead girl, but it is available to the person who is solving her murder. Just as for the murderers, for the detectives and true detectives and Twin Peaks, the victim's body is a neutral arena on which to work out male problems. Mm-hmm. So, like, I can't save her, but I can save myself. Mm-hmm. Like, that's yeah. kind exactly. of always the way that goes. It helps. It furthers their plot point and, like, yeah. their personal growth. Right. Well, it's right. interesting how, like, people will also fantasize about the dead girl. And suddenly, when this girl dies, she was perfect. Like, she, oh, she was everybody's best friend. She was a good girl. She came home on time. Like, we have this certain idea with every story where we have we make the victim look really, really good. Where in reality, my mom's dog, I swear to God. Uh, where in reality, she's just a person. She's just a girl. And yet we have this idea built up in our heads about this victim and what that victim character is supposed to look like and the innocence of that rather than realizing that these are flawed people. Well, and the ways that dead girls disappear from their own story. Yeah, like After, in Serial, like, yeah. we were talking about that in the book. Yeah, Heyman Lee, you know, in Serial, which was a huge podcast that happened a, a few <laughs> If you years, haven't heard about it. never heard about it, let me be the first one to tell you about Serial. Um, that happened a few years ago, and the case really centered around Adnan Zayed, which of course it did, like that made sense, but you forget about this person who has died and she disappears and kind of dissolves like the Manic Pixie Dream Girl just kind of dissolves in a puff of glitter in her own story. Yeah, and it's it's about Jay, who's one of like the quote-unquote witnesses, and Ednan and their idea of who she was and her death and everything like that. Yeah, I mean, and the same thing happens in True Detective or basically any dead girl show, quote-unquote, quote. It's like... This is just—it's a prop. The dead girl is kind of like a prop to push forward yeah, the like storyline. it's like a catalyst. It's like a catalyst for the males to like. It's almost like a self-exploration. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting because I study medieval literature, Ooh. and this is something we talk about all the time. Is like 
a knight who needs to be chivalrous and he needs to learn and he goes through his own learning process. And yeah. so there's always a maiden. She needs to be saved. As soon as they get married, she either disappears or she dies. You yeah. know? Or there's like a loathly lady that like, oh, you need to marry me and I'll help you through your predicament and I'll help you learn something. They get married, she dies, or she disappears from the story. So like the that OG. is the finale of How I Met Your Mother. Sorry, spoiler alert. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So rude. I was actually... But that's really funny. That's true. It is. Yeah. They were like, they built it up for like, what, nine seasons? No, and then they just kill her? I'm sorry, did I ruin it for you? You may have no. just ruined it for everyone in this room. Well, I've had a problem with the book because she gave so many spoilers. I've been watching Twin Peaks for yeah. like oh 20 God. years and I didn't watch the second season okay, yet. Well, I felt the same way. I've never so seen it. I don't know anything. Okay, on. I did. I wrote in my notes. I wrote in all caps, spoilers. So but, then, spoilers. but then in parentheses on a show that came out the year I was born. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that yeah. movie, I mean, that show came out in 1990. So but kind of fair enough. Everything that that's she like saying there's a she spoiler did. for Psycho. Yeah, no, it's or Star Wars. I was with you. Yeah. I was with you. I was like, I'm gonna watch the show, and then I'm like, well, now I know exactly what happens. Yeah. So, so warning to you guys about, yeah. about about this book. If you've not seen Twin Peaks and you and you care, uh, <laughs> no, there's so much. There's so many layers to that show, though. It's not it's still worth watching, even though yes. I know. Oh, definitely. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say I've never it. seen it. I'll watch it. Do it. I, spoilers don't how bother me. Okay, okay, how absurd is like the resolution sound to it, though? It sounds absurd. Yeah, we won't we'll 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 go on to Twin Peaks too much, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is interesting how that trope kind of follows into many different genres. Then. And if we can kind of take it back to, you know, domestic violence and how it is a larger societal problem that we we just don't deal with. There was a passage in this book where she says, "It's clear we love the dead girl enough to rehash and reproduce her story." to kill her again and again, but not enough to see a pattern. She is always singular, an anomaly, the juicy new mystery. So she's she's a one-off every time. It's just kind of like, it's never part of like a bigger picture or a bigger issue that we're having um, societally. It's always kind of this one singular anomaly. Yeah. And and then we're just like, well, that was entertaining, and move on to the next, move on to the next dead girl, you know. That's yeah. interesting that you say that too, because that makes me think about the fact that like, so usually in these kinds of shows, the dead girl is like a middle class white girl from nuclear family. Yeah. And like now that you mention that, if it was like a trans person or a person of color, right. like then all of a sudden it wouldn't just be a singular thing; it would have to be about. It would be a part of issues. a bigger issue. It'd be yeah. about well, the inner cities. It'd be about you know LGBTQ yeah. issues. Right. Well, then also the way that the the dead person would be treated would be very different than exactly. if it was yeah. a cute little yeah. white girl. They'd yeah. be mm-hmm. digging up all the you know right. The, the victim would then be turned into like a villain of sorts. Right. Right. You know, or it would be uh, just treated very, like, distastefully. I don't think it would be the same. It wouldn't be a, a pretty picture of Jean Benet with the beautiful curls and the makeup. Or the point of the show would be trying to get people to care. <laughs> like, if, yeah. it was, if it was a drama, it would be about, like, the protagonist being like, you should care about these people. Yeah. And, like, you don't, you know. So, yeah, I agree. God, I'm all over the place in my notes right now. Well, just like the book. Yeah. I know. Should we, we, like, just can we address that in the room? Really quickly. So this book was um, coined as, here, what does it say here? Essays on Surviving an American Obsession. In the book, in the first couple of chapters, she calls it a survival guide. Like, she actually calls it a survival guide. But about what is... 
Uh, Chapters so, in, it stops becoming essays on feminism and it starts becoming just a memoir about her life. It's a survival life. guide of her first years in Los Angeles. I'm like, I don't care. I'm like, I've lived it. No, I mean, it's here's fine. the thing. I, I, I liked the book. I thought she was smart and she's a good writer. <laughs> and Madigan, not so I much. I, I thought that she's a good writer. It was cleverly written. I just wish it had been built as what it is. It just took me in a right. different direction than I expected. Right. And yes. so I had to just regroup. I yeah. think like, okay, so I, now how do I look at this? Yeah, yeah, I just had a really hard time personally because I feel, I felt a little bit tricked. Yeah. And I felt also a little bit, I don't like hearing people tell me how smart they are. And yeah. she's clearly incredibly intelligent and I give her that. But it was also kind of like, we get it. You went to college at 16. Fine. Yeah, no, I mean, like, <laughs> for real, I'm like, God, I went to, like, school for acting and went to, like, have, like, the easiest math class ever to get a bachelor's degree. Like, I am nowhere near that level. So maybe that's my own insecurity. I don't know. But it was a bit, like, it, it, it was bizarre. Like, the part that just made me laugh so hard, she's talking about living in some apartment where she's on, like, a floaty that you have like in the water and then she's like I'm gonna watch The Big Lebowski and then she writes a whole essay comparing it to Raymond Chandler I was like who are you like that is nowhere near I'm like I'd be like The Big Lebowski fuck it like this is cool but for her it had to be like this grander thing and I think by that point I was just kind of like but here's the thing about her though that I think I would actually probably really like her Mm -hmm. because for as smart as she is she's also Super basic, and I mean that in like oh, a yeah. nice way. I mean it in a nice way. Yeah, yeah. But like Pretty she has an in, yeah, and, and she has an yeah. entire chapter about like yeah. Britney Spears and that American the, pop songs. That was a good. That was a good yeah, one. which I yeah. thought was yeah, interesting. Was but I thought that even tied into the Ted to the Ted girl, the dead girl <laughs> category, because there was something that my we loneliness did is killing is me. killing me, guys. Yeah. And then it was the whole 2007 Britney Spears where she shaved her head and she, you know, drove the car with her son in her lap. And it was, we watched this girl's demise from being this, like, squeaky clean, like... I was blown away. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I learned so much in that chapter. That's the thing. I learned that, like, what was it, One More Time was written for... TLC. Oh, TLC, yeah. 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 And they took out the Hit Me Baby to make it seem a little bit more innocent. Like, did did she ever even get elaborate on the actual words, hit me baby. In the she book? Did she did it, she, right? She, no, really. she touched on it, she but she didn't, warm, she didn't yeah. elaborate. Because like, that would have been really interesting to talk about with, like, the whole, what that song yeah. is implying. Yeah. 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 But, but like, is it, like, I always picture it as, like, poker, like, hit me, like, you know what I mean? Like, oh give me God. more. I wasn't thinking about, like, hit me. I never thought to examine at all. At all, yeah. I thought, what do you think? Like, hit me, like, hit me up? Yeah, like, hit me up, like, hit me... I don't. Know. I never. That's the thing. Growing up, I didn't think about it. It's just those were words. Just, and I didn't yeah. It was. It's so weird. I just put like pigtails like, in my hair and wore my yeah. like Catholic school uniform and danced around the room, not mm-hmm. understanding. I don't know. Her dance moves were very aggressive. So yeah. I thought. I, but I thought then physical, she. But. but then she had like that innocence about her where she had to pretend that she didn't know it was sexy, mm-hmm. and like I feel like again that that really ties into a lot of like the demise that we see where we have this very squeaky clean image of her. This dog. We had this very squeaky clean image of her, and then she started just being destroyed by like this world that was created around her that she wasn't really yeah. even a part of. Well, and I think and we treated her like like it was a it was like a death. It was a death of that person yeah. that we thought of. It was a death, but also like there's a fascination with watching the demise of yeah. like squeaky clean pop stars. Yes. Like we 
enjoy it in yeah. like a really yeah. we like consume it in right. like a really messed well, up she, morbid way. She mentioned Miley yeah. Cyrus too. Have yeah, we like watching them fall. No. Doyle? no. Oh, you have to read it. It talks all about that, and there's a whole essay in it about Britney Spears. Yeah, yeah. Is it as but good as the essay in here about Britney Spears? Is way better. Okay. Trainwreck uh, <laughs> is like on point. It's really good. You should really read it. I liked it. I thought well, that was interesting to me. Again, I, I wish it would have been on topic. I did but. appreciate, but you know what? I did appreciate that. I think she got a little in over her head as far as, like, she picked a theme and then kind of, like, didn't stick to that theme. But she did try to, like, bring it back around. Like, she talks a lot, like, at length about, like, L.A. and L.A.'s famous cemeteries. And I read that whole thing, and I'm like, I feel like this doesn't have anything to do with anything. But she's but then trying she to got, tie in a theme. But then she got to the end of it, and she, yeah. was, she talked about um, how L.A. – I think I wrote it down – she says that L.A. has a necrophiliac quality with yeah. the way in which we relate to, like, our cemeteries and how we're like, let's go watch a movie and uh, surrounded yeah, by dead people. And, yeah. 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 And um, I also yeah. liked how at the end of that, she talked about our fascination with dead celebrities in this city and how, yeah. like, we almost go and, like, you know, you went and looked at the shoes. She talks about Dorothy's shoes and Wizard of Oz and yeah. how, how much we, like, we just want to touch it and we just want to be around it. And, like, yeah. our fascination. Or just cry with, near it for a half an hour. Which is what I looking at it. I literally was. I went and I sat in front of her dress and next to the shoes and just. Madigan's obsessed with Wizard of Oz. Had a moment. Hi, my name is Madigan and I love the Wizard of Oz. Yes. It's fine. I love it. <laughs> but so she did attempt to kind of bring it back around at the end of every chapter where I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Like with your theme, you could tell that maybe she was aware a little bit right. of that and, yeah. and worked to actively pull it back around. I do think, I kind of wish she had just marketed this more as right. like her memoirs of having moved to LA because I think I would have enjoyed that. There are things that everyone could relate to, like her yeah. roommate being really dirt poor and her roommate breaking a bottle of wine in the freezer and starting an Indiegogo for a new bottle of wine. Yeah. Which I was like, that's the most LA thing. Or like to the happen. old man that she lived with who's like, you have to pretend to be my girlfriend. And she's like, oh, uh, okay. Like, yeah. that's fine. Well, that's fine. There's a lot of cool moments. But I feel like she's like, I don't know. If she was writing a memoir instead of it being like, funny and entertaining she'd be trying to like intellectualize it that's time. so she's yeah. like well I'm just gonna make it an academic like book and then I can secretly tell my memoir in there. I have yeah. never yeah. read Joan Didion in my entire life oh, so I, I was like either. I was really? like I don't yeah but Joan Didion's from a completely different era it's like not even the same thing and for her to think like did you think you were also coming in a time machine like, <laughs> like she's like I can't believe it's not what Joan Didion said this isn't what Joan Didion yeah. promised me so, moral like of the story, Joan Didion is a liar. <laughs> and I think she thought that she could tie in Los Angeles as well, because Los Angeles has a noir quality yeah, yes. uh, to it, and that's classic dead girl shit. Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> noir, yeah. noir um, films, and yeah. that that's really exactly what that is. It's just like the femme fatale means nothing. The, that the, whole part on Chinatown. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was actually pretty interesting. Yeah. I've never seen that. Oh, mm-hmm. you have to. Jack Nicholson's like one of my favorite actors ever. My sister, my daughter, my sister. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. I watched that with my mom and she was like, this movie is so awful. What just so happened? Yeah. <laughs> Things took a turn. <laughs> I have there's a list of movies that I've never seen that is so long, so I just always like, yeah, and like not no, shake my head when people talk about things. But it's like, like 
When I was little, my dad made me watch like a lot of classic films. That's too. a strange one for your dad to make you watch no, as a he child. Did. That was the one I did not because I don't think he knew about that one. My friend recently made me watch that. Oh, okay. It was a recent watch. Don't that, it's a good movie. I recommend yeah. it. I do recommend it. Speaking of dads, the chapter oh where God. she talks about her dad yeah. Yeah, was well, very why? interesting. Why is she talking about her dad liking sexy stuff? Yeah. Like, it was very that bizarre. That was very strange. Yeah. It was, it was so And that he may or may not have autism. It was it was all over the place. I was like, that. Yeah. And I actually happened. was, I was listening to that when I was driving, like, on audiobook, and I actually was rolling my eyes. <laughs> like, every sentence, I was like, oh, my God. And it was the really? end, it was the end of part one, and I was like, I, yeah, this is a weird thing to end on. It's like, yeah. I know autism yeah. awareness is important, but, like, in the middle what of talking about, about? <laughs> well, Steve but it's, Larson, it's weird because novels, and then it's like she has like a moment where she just completely veers off. She's like, "Well, my dad likes these too." Well, like, but is she trying to imply something about, about her yeah. dad being similar to the investigators and the people around who? No, but she actually found that he was more similar to the victim or to to the to the investigators, right? To the girls to, and, to, Eli- to Veronica Mars, Elizabeth Salander, and, and yeah, um, girl with the dragon tattoo, right? Yeah, How? wait, I don't, I don't know. remember this. Why was he similar to her? He, he cried he when she cried whenever she couldn't get that guy. So that makes them similar. So that makes him empathetic. According to this book. Well, also, but she literally is like, my dad likes sexy stuff. Yeah. yeah that was like, odd. he likes the She's promiscuous, really like, if there's a like naked a girl way. in it or a sex scene, her yeah. dad's, like, all I think for I it. glazed right past <laughs> that. I think my brain that deleted that. I think I jumped out, out at me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Came back in, like, a paragraph later. Well, like, yeah. it's weird because, like, it's... It came off to me as being really misogynistic because these books that she's talking about that her dad really likes are very much this, like, men who hate women mm-hmm. theme. And uh, she writes in the book that women are problems to be solved. Her disappearance or murder is easier to deal with than the woman's presence. So for me, if the dad is crying along with her, like, it's almost like a weird... I don't know the word I'm looking for because I don't want to make it sound too perverted, but it's kind of perverted. Mm-hmm. A little bit mm-hmm. to to be able to relate to it that much, and then to be reading these books. Am I totally off base? I don't know. I found it kind of freaky. I, I don't know. To be honest with you, I really didn't make any notes about that chapter because I'm like, this has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. Oh, I did. Moving forward, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. I guess I'll just pass by that chapter. Whatever. <laughs> what do you guys think of the witches chapter? I liked it a lot. I enjoyed it. It reminded me because she was talking about herself when she was little, wanting to be a witch and watching those TV shows when I was little. So my name was almost Matilda. And so I had a really strong connection. My cat's name. That's her cat's name. I had a really strong connection to Matilda. So I would turn music on and I would like start pointing at things around the house, seeing if they would like move. (laughs) You know, or like in my head, like things were flying around the room. Well, who hasn't done that? Who hasn't like focused their like concentration on a pencil and been like, maybe I can make it move with my mind? (laughs) Everyone has done that, right? No, maybe not. No. Yes. No. Maybe so. Okay. Cool. Um, And it was interesting for me. And probably only for me, I don't know, maybe other people who are here would appreciate it as well. So I I have struggled with anorexia in the past. So having her relay food as being kind of a feminine issue and having to do with witches and a matriarchy was really interesting to me and how the the food and the kind of like witch stuff went together and the, and the cauldron and the everything like that was a very weird connection that I'd never made and it was like for me that was more of like an introspective chapter that I wasn't expecting again very off course from everything else but also kind of nice like it was an interesting connection that I'd never really 
thought of before mm-hmm. that I thought I, was interesting. Yeah, I thought this was a chapter where she successfully inserted herself and talked about the topic and just, like, stayed on Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Well, because she had personal experience yeah, with her friend yeah. and things like that. She uses, like, herself as an example, and then she ties it back, ties it back constantly so that I'm not losing the movie aspect yes. of what she was talking about. The well, and Ginger I found it... Snaps movie, or... Yeah, yeah, that was funny. And I found it interesting where... Wasn't the book, one of the books she was talking about, wasn't it called, like, White is for Witching or something, or a movie yes, or a TV show? something like that. All the references uh, are, one. like, faded in my head. But I thought it was interesting because when we think of witches, we think of black. We think of something very, very mm-hmm. dark and evil yeah. and sinister, and white is very pure. And um, a quote from this says, white is for witching, a color to be worn so that all colors can enter you so that you may use them, which I thought was really beautiful. Like, it's not this scary, evil thing. It's just like opening yourself up to different things and and letting things affect you and color you. I liked when she was talking about uh, Pretty Wild, which was an e-reality TV show that I don't know (laughs) if other people remember, but... Uh, it was ridiculous, but I really enjoyed her talking about that because she she brought it into the witch chapter because she was talking about the secret and how the, these girls were homeschooled oh, right. and their mom yeah. used the secret. That book is kind of like the main book by which to like it was homeschool. The bling ring girl. Yeah, the bling yeah. ring girls, and um, she talks about the power of positive thinking as like modern day witchcraft, mm-hmm. like how like we kind of just think like well, let's just have as much positive thought into this and I can make things happen. And vision boards. Yeah. And that's like that. yeah. such a female thing. Yeah. It's like when I think of YouTubers that are just like lifestyle hacks and like all about writing down your goals, writing down yeah. what you're thankful for so it'll make you happier. Yeah, and I never <laughs> thought about it like that, but that's yeah. kind of like our like modern day sisterhood, like that's our modern day witchcraft. Yeah. Yeah. Although yeah. I gotta say, I did audience work once for the Steve Harvey show. He gave us like a 30 <laughs> minute speech about vision boards. I've mean, totally like, done audience work before too, dude. Oh man, so when you're broke in LA, you're like, I'm gonna yeah, go to audience, audience I'm gonna make 30 bucks way. by the end of the night, pocket that cash money right there and buy McDonald's on the way home. Um, but yeah, he gave like Did a 30 minute. Cash? A lot of times, get, yeah. You get cash at the end. It's, nice. huh. it's all right. And the Steve Harvey show was great. I did a dance off to win a t shirt. It was great. Did you win it? Yes, of course I did. Oh, fantastic. Dance off. Great. Yeah, it was great. I mean, basically, I was like, how ridiculous can I make myself look to get the attention of the people who are throwing the shirts? And then they gave me a shirt. Anthony won a t-shirt on Ellen once. <gasps> look yeah. at you, everybody. Yeah. Good job, Anthony. Oh, just me. I'm sorry, honey. Um, but, yeah, he, he gave a whole thing about how he changes his vision board, like, every two weeks. And it's on his I'll phone, take advice from Steve Harvey. I know. Well, he... Started from the bottom, now he's here. I'm I like, know, okay. exactly, precisely, Drake style. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> I mean, Steve Harvey and Drake are like one of the same. BFF. Yeah, they're the Drake same. is just like young Steve yeah. Harvey. <laughs> young Steve Harvey. Should we talk about Ginger Snaps? I haven't seen Ginger Snaps. I, I have not seen, seen it either, either, but I want to now. now I Has anyone in this audience seen Ginger Snaps? She's seen Ginger Snaps. Wow. Okay. Wait, wait, you have? What do you think of it? Is it good? <laughs> she like to find good because I've looked at stills. Yeah, I can do corny. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. look like a cinematic masterpiece, but no. it looks like fantastic, and I want to watch it. I have yeah. one really great question though, and the only reason I'm asking it is because my mom is here. Why did I not get a period cake? Oh, I didn't. Oh, I'm very grateful that oh. I didn't get a period cake, Liz. Poor mom. So happy. That my I didn't mom get didn't a period cake either. I, I mean, at the time, <laughs> it would have been mortifying, but, like, what a great story but is that? But the way they talked about it sounded disgusting. She got, <laughs> oh, a, so- she got a congratulations for your period, and the whole top of it is, it was oozing with strawberry. No, like, yeah, that, was, that was gross. All right. I, like, I like made a note in my phone. I'm like,
like for future child orgies. No. Strawberry jam. Period cake. Shut it down. That's gross. I'm gonna do it. Ugh. I don't like attention only in any way, especially like regarding like, that moment of my life. Can you imagine of like yeah. a preteen girl like having your a, dad's at the table? Like, a <laughs> yeah. It was enough that my mom was like, oh. My dad was uncomfortable. We're not gonna acknowledge. Yeah. My dad was uncomfortable right. with me like walking around in like a bra and underwear or something, getting ready for school in the morning. I can only imagine if my mom was like, "You're a woman. Here's a oh, cake." Gosh. He probably would have just died. Right I'm there. good. I don't want. that I kind of wish I had had one. I gotta be honest. What a great story that and is. Strange. Yeah. yeah, that's strange, and I think or you're like strange for saying it. <laughs> um, um, but I liked their their discussion about like puberty being painful and grotesque and like so basically in it again haven't seen the movie so i'm so sorry if i get this wrong to the one person here by the way it. this movie is about a teenage female werewolf that's what i'm saying yeah do we not all turn into werewolves once a month we were kind of talking about that not yeah i was having a conversation with arielle about how essentially yes yeah, yeah. The point. it's yeah. horrible. Like I, my mood completely changes. I become a completely different person. I have like a dark cloud around me. Like, Everything you makes feel, you mad for no reason, and you feel disgusting and like animalistic and not great. I almost feel like a tornado that's just ripping things apart. <laughs> yeah, and you're just tearing so, yeah. everybody and everything yeah. Yeah, down exactly. as you go, yeah. which I think is something that like people don't <laughs> like to talk about. Like when you get the period talk, it's a very like. Simplistic, not gross, not dirty yeah. scenario. At least for me, it wasn't. It was like it's a beautiful time in your life where you're going to become a woman, and I was like, this sounds great. Oh, for me, that beautiful time yeah. shit is garbage. It's yeah. such garbage. It's the worst. But like that's at least like an honest portrayal of like the things that you go through, and then talking about like the hormone changes and how physically that they can just change everything. Mm -hmm. About yeah. you, I found that was very fascinating. Another thing I really liked from that chapter was talking about her relationship with her sister and how female, like, sisterhood and friendships can be both, like, the best, biggest, like, love of your life yeah. and also and the, the most yeah. toxic she thing was, that you like, could ever have. She was, kind of abusive to her friend. Like, very yeah. manipulative and overbearing, and it was a very weird... It was a very weird thing. And because but I she's, feel like teenage girl friendships are sometimes that like that. That wasn't a like, teenage girl friendship. That was her as a, an adult. What? Yes. Really? That was yes. when she moved to LA. She was right? yeah. an adult. She was, was like 25. It was before. No. It was before. No. She met her in no, because she met her, look it up. she met her in college. I remember. She met her because I read this last night. That's she met her college. But she went to college at like... She went That's to college true. really young. She went to college at like 16. Well, she should grow up before she goes Excuse to college. Excuse me. I still feel <laughs> get, your, like, get your hormones in check. <laughs> because I definitely remember like having female friendships that were not, that we, we were like the closest yeah. we could ever be. But also, yeah. like if anything went wrong, it was like the it biggest big deal. Fight. And I would be like crying. Well, and, but and you know, it was like, it was like a relationship. It you is. Know? But it's sad because like, you know, we, we talk so much. A big part of our podcast is about sister solidarity and trying to take down the competitiveness between women and she prefaced it as being like oh the female friendships that you have are going to be the greatest friendships of your entire lives mm -hmm. and then she goes on to talk about this really disruptive friendship that kind of to me was like I think and can, everything shut. I think they can be both though like I think that they can be the most incredible connections that you have in your lives and also be they're complex. They're relationships. Right. And all relationships are complex. And she oh, yeah. even describes them as sexual or not. They are still, in a way, romantic, which right. I found very... I mean, like, the 
people in my lives who brought me flowers are girls more than guys, you know, like it's, there is a sort of like stereotypical romantic, um, partnership that you have that is just at well, least women are allowed case. to be closer right. even like physically closer yeah. we're allowed to like yeah. touch more like societally it's more yeah. acceptable for like women to touch each friends to like touch each other more and hold hands right. and like which would be seen as more romantic close. than a yeah. guy being like it's okay good game. Yeah. good game good yeah. game man yeah yeah good tap on the butt <laughs> which oddly sexual anyway <laughs> this chapter this chapter because what was so detrimental about that relationship was the control and talking about like the eating disorder thing and how it was like a level of control for like, yeah. a young girl too when yeah. you feel like your life's going out of control in that way when you're entering this stage and things like that yeah yeah that she just felt that there was like things that she needed to manipulate and make her way which honestly yeah. you know i kind of gave an, a big eye roll in the beginning about <laughs> her going to college at 16 and kind of giving herself a pat on the back and all that but i can see where that would be incredibly isolating and not being a part of a regular college community still living at home and things like that well and because her friend was a couple years older than her because she met her at college you are going through things hormonally yeah. Like at 16, yeah, that somebody true. who's a little older than you has already gone through well, it but it's and weird has, has, done, has dealt with. Because the older girl was manipulated. She was the one that was kind of giving in a she lot. She says the girl was a lot like her maturity-wise, too, right? Yeah. Like that's yeah. kind of what attracted them Why they to were each friends, other. Yeah. yeah. Why they were obsessed with ginger snaps together. Yeah. yeah. Well, did she? do you guys <laughs> feel like she wrapped this book up in any way that would give an idea? Because it's supposed to be... A survival guide, like you said, and it's supposed to be like an in-depth analysis about these dead girls and the dead girl trope and narrative. Do you feel that she's made any sort of explorations or new ideas about that? I feel like she has, but in a way she doesn't know she has. Because I read it kind of metafictionally, where it's like in the beginning, she's like, we use dead girls or males use dead girls as a way to work out their own problems. And then by the end of it, I was like, this is like her survival guide. And she's using dead girls for her own self-exploration. Because by the end of it, it started out very critically, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of critical analysis and theorists that I like learned in like my MA program thinking like okay you're like name dropping all this academic stuff yeah and then by the end of it it just turned into solely like about her exploration and her resolutions about her own stuff yeah it was almost kind of like a rambling too where it started yeah. off being very structured and Focused. things like that and then it was almost like she, she was rambling focus. and then she started going down this rabbit hole and then kind of came to I don't even know what the resolution of the well, she, she did like well I'm happy I at least have that experience yeah. <laughs> yeah. she's like and then I learned how to break up with my boyfriend right, the end yeah. no but she had um, there was one sentence in the last in the last chapter that I felt like kind of wrapped everything up mm -hmm. where she says it was not about dead white girls, but more the more troubling mystery of living ones. Yeah. So she started, I do think it was kind of like an, a self-examination because she started out very critically talking about dead girls and what that means. And by the end of it, it was kind of just like, no, it, it's more about like my, my life and my story yeah. and how like the ups and downs of like, like living how it's affecting girls. me yeah, like living for this introspection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What you just said and what you're just what you're saying is that whole issue that she addressed in the beginning where she was saying right. this is a book about the dead girl trope and the dead girl is uh, like a 
basically a vehicle. a vehicle for the investigators to find themselves, right? So mm-hmm. she's using the book, which is the dead girl, to do that. You're herself. totally right. I just like the medieval maids I was talking about, they just disappear, and these dead girls disappeared. By yeah, yeah became a dead girl. And we're left with the living girl. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're, we're, we're left with one living girl. The final girl, girl though. It's yes. like the final girl. Yeah, the, the final girl in the horror movie. She's the final girl. Okay, it all makes sense. I now. get it now. Right. We're done here. We figured you okay. out. Um, <laughs> Alice Bolin, I'm sorry that I ever doubted you. I'm so sorry. Well, this was fun. Um, I'm glad we did this. I hope it was at least a little bit. Oh my God, there's people. Oh my God, hi. What's up? Insane. How's it going? I hope this was a a little bit fun for you guys to listen to us chat about this book. And now you don't have to read the book. Now you don't need to read it. We've covered all of the bullet points. Uh, Yeah, you're off the hook for that. And um, thank you guys for having this conversation with us us. and recommending this book. It totally wasn't what we were expecting, but... I think we got some good stuff out of it. Yeah. So we went on this journey together. We did. No matter what it was. And we survived. We and did. this is my very first book club. And I have to say, I I get it. I get why people do book clubs. <laughs> I get it. Get some bounce ideas. I, I like it. You come to any of our book clubs. Yeah. Awesome. I would love Let that. us know. Let us know the next yeah, time you guys sure. have a yeah. book club. Um, as for us, you guys can, or do you guys want to plug your, plug your pluggables? Plug. Plug it. Okay, so we are we are soon, very soon, launching a website called twogirlbookparty.com. That's where we're gonna have all our like communal events and postings. So we're gonna basically have an online book club. So every yeah. month we will feature a book. Actually, I think the book we're doing for November is kind of like up your guys' alley. Ooh, what is uh, it? Putney. Very Lolita esque. Ooh, what okay. is it called? It's called Putney. Ooh, I don't know about it. Uh, it's basically like a, it's a, lo- a Lolita esque. Okay. Um, have I you tried to read be, Lolita? I, I got like three quarters yeah. of the way through. It took me a really long time. Kind of grosses time. me out. Yeah, yeah, I had to read it oh, in yeah. like sections. It's pretty horrifying. Yeah. yeah. But um, um, definitely like if you want to catch up with them, with Two Girl Book Party and when their website uh, launches, we will have that also on our social. We'll definitely like let people know whenever that launches cool. so that they yeah. can Do you want to plug your Instagram? That? What is your Instagram? Yeah, we each have a personal bookstagram. So mine is Gitana Eleni. That's G-I-T-A-N-A dot E-L-E-N-I. It's my first and middle name. So you're very welcome for you to follow me on that. Thank you. Mine is Florence and the Book Party. My name is Amelie Florence. So. Florence and the Book Party. <laughs> I love it. You look like her a little bit with like. Your, yeah, you got the hair. Like, you got yeah, 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 yeah. You got I also vibe. sing just as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Karaoke later, you're gonna prove it to me. Okay. That's happening. Um, so Madigan and I, we are on Instagram at uh, Angry Neighborhood Feminist. You guys can catch us there. We are on Facebook. We have a business page and a Facebook group. Um, you can get us on our. Twitter. Our Twitter that we never look at or update. Uh, at Yamp Podcast. Y-A-N-F Podcast. Thank you very much. Um, and I guess with that being said, we encourage you to, to rage, rage on. on. Bye. Thank you to a real book party. We had so much Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. 
and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.